0: Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Good evening. I didn't see you stand in. Come on. I have had an absolute blast in this church. I reckon I'm going to have to come back and visit even if you don't invite me because I really like it and uh, I reckon God likes it too. Bible says when people gather together, God commands a blessing. So if you want to bless life, just gather together, love on God, worship God, receive God's love and let Him love on you. I said to the men, I think it was yesterday, I have no idea who I said what to when because it all blurs into one big meeting to me. But um, sometimes we are far better at giving to God than receiving from God. Because it's easier for us to think that, you know, we're just going to give Him more. And sometimes when we're so aware of our faults and our failures and we want to just make it up to God and just so we serve more and we give more and we're generous and we give of our time. And and sometimes what we're not very good at doing is just receiving from God. And I think that God wants to love on us more than we want to love on Him. I think God wants to give to us more than we want to give to Him. See, you can't outgive God. Isn't that cool? How can you outgive the one who is a giver in his very nature? God is so wonderfully good. Hey, if you're in this place today and you just want God just to love and you just from just open up your heart and your hands to God right now in this place. Holy Spirit, I just pray you'll just come across this place and touch us with your love. Lord, we've loved your presence in this place, Lord, and I'm asking for a wonderful touch from you right now, all across this auditorium. All across this auditorium right now, we receive Your love. We receive Your grace. We receive Your goodness. We receive Your smile, Your blessing. Lord, we receive Your kindness and Your mercy. We love You, God. We love You, God. <laughs> you're so, so good. Oh, You're so good. Would You bring revelation truth of what You're like to us in this place tonight? Father, tomorrow and Tuesday, Next week and next month and next year, God, I pray now that we'll start to discover you on deeper levels. We're asking God that you reveal yourself to us on deeper levels every day. We wanna see you more. We wanna know you better. We wanna love you, Lord, with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. Let us every day have an accurate picture of who you are and how you see us, Lord. May we live by the truth. And in this place today, right now, Lord, as our last meeting together for the weekend. Lord, would you just bring revelation truth to every person? Would you bring a, just a sense of freshness and lightness to every person? God wants to bring lightness to your spirit. God wants to bring a freshness to your spirit. God wants to reveal His heart to you in this time. And so, God, we're ready to receive Your Word Lord, I'm ready to share it. Would you have your way, (laughs) Lord? Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Praise God. Praise God. (laughs) I just keep on smiling because I think about how good God is, He's so wonderful so wonderful and he's worthy of praise, amen. God, have your way in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you may be seated. Thank you, Jerry. You can have a seat tonight too, buddy. I worked him to the bone this morning. I said, can you stay and play just for a few minutes? Three hours later when I finished preaching. Is this okay with everyone if I'm down here tonight as opposed to out there? I like to get in close. I mean, some of you might not like that, but that's okay. Um, You young people sitting in the front row. Hey, where's your sign? Put your sign back on. (laughs) That's beautiful, buddy. That's very nice. Hey? Your sister made it. That's good. God is exceptionally good. Amen? Amen. Isn't that right? God is good. God is worthy to be praised. It really has been such a blessing. And I, I said this morning, I said yesterday that what I've got to share tonight is the most important thing I could ever share. And that wasn't just to get you off the couch and to come. Uh, it is the honest truth. I do believe it's the most important thing I will ever share. I love seeing all you wonderful middle-aged people with silver hair here. Yeah, this is just just so many good quality people, aren't you? You're just amazing. I just wish I could give you all a hug, take you back to Melbourne with me. God is so, so good. I, I want to get into this tonight because I promised Pastor Marty I wouldn't keep you be f- um, longer than Tuesday. And um, um, and I, I just want to just be real, real from the start. Is, okay, is it okay if I be real, real and honest in church? Is that okay, Pastor? Oh, that's good. Because that's what you're going to get. I need to back up and just give you a bit of my background before I start. And the reason for doing that is, uh, God forbid, not to blow my own trumpet, but this, the context is really important for what I'm about to say. Is that okay? I was born into an, an amazingly wonderful family, David Margaret McCracken in New Zealand. those was uh, 38, almost 39 years ago. And, and uh, two months before I was born, Dad started pastoring the church. Mom and dad were people of integrity, aren't they? They're they're the real deal. They modeled what it is to be a Christian. And from a very young age, I felt like God called me and called my name, and I just responded. How, How many people know that God is always the initiator? Sometimes we think that we initiate a relationship with God, that we come to God and initiate. We never, ever, 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 ever initiate. We always respond. God's the initiator. He's calling us well before we actually respond to Him. And from a very, very young age, I I've just felt God calling me, and I and I responded to His initiation. And from a young age, I knew it all was to hear the voice of God. And I used to spend hours just at the piano and worshiping God as a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old. I, I've been involved in youth leadership. I've been involved in worship ministry for over 20 years. I passionately love God. I passionately love His Word. You probably got a little bit of a taste of it this morning. I love God's word. I can't get enough of it. I've been a pastor for six and a half years previously and I've been traveling uh, full time and on team with David McCracken Ministries for the last uh, five and a half years. And I've had this walk with God, this relationship with God that other people at times have wished they had. And the reason I'm saying all that is going to be made abundantly clear by what I'm about to say. And I need you to listen to me real carefully because how many people know that sometimes in our lives, a so-called subtle shift can radically change our life. Sometimes it's not a profound turnaround. Sometimes it's just a slight realignment. Is that right? That's what this is going to be here tonight. I found myself only about less than three years ago, maybe two and a half to three years ago. I found myself at a place where while preaching, while prophesying, While writing daily devotionals, while speaking into people's lives and mentoring them, while loving God, while hearing from God on a moment-by-moment daily basis, while being in His Word and loving His Word, I found myself at a place where I was so riddled with guilt and accusation that I was going to a counselor. I was trying to process how I was actually feeling. I was lying awake at night, not being able to sleep because I was so riddled with guilt and accusation. I would be up getting dressed, ready to go and preach and I'd be vomiting in the toilet because I was torn apart by this feeling of not being good enough and this feeling that I should be doing better. I told you it was gonna be real in church tonight. And I was not in that place because of any gross sin in my life. I wasn't I wasn't of doing anything terribly wrong. The reason I found myself in this place was not a God-initiator, but a God-allowed phase in my life because He wanted to rebuild me. The problem I had was this. I knew what it was to honor God. I knew what it was to obey His commands. I knew what God required of me. I knew what God expected of me, and with everything in me, I wanted to honor God. With everything in me, I never wanted to do anything that would dishonor God, and anytime I had even the slightest thought of the wrong thing, anytime I had the slightest attitude that was wrong. Anytime I got slightly frustrated, anytime I think I glanced sideways at a lady walking past, or maybe even I possibly could have, maybe I'm not sure, I was so riddled with guilt because I so wanted to honor God. And in that moment, that season rather, and I got some very dark days in my journal in there saying, God, 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 God started to speak to me. I was actually at a camp I think it was at Lake Macquarie, actually. I, got st- I was out walking with God before the speaking. I was speaking the whole weekend at a worship camp. And I was out once again going on a prayer walk with God, pouring out my heart in confession of the things that I done wrong and the things that I might have done wrong because I wanted to honor God so much. I wanted to honor people by honoring God. And in that moment, God reminded me of John fifteen five when he says this. I'm divine. You're the branch. If you remain in me and I remain in you, if we have this level of intimacy that is possible, then you will bear the fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And God spoke to me and started a journey where it says, Steve, you're focused on striving to become more like me, much more than abiding with me and getting to know me and love me. And I want to crack open tonight something that I think will shift for most of us, our perspective just slightly, but it will be To the point that freedom and living under the smile of God will be the result. Does anyone want that in this place today? Because the reality is most people in here want to honor God. And most of us struggle a lot of times on and off with feeling like we should be doing better. We should be praying more. We should be loving more. We should not be doing that. We should be doing this. We know what it is. And when that becomes the primary focus, when you have the primary focus in your life of becoming like Jesus... How many think that is an awesome thing? When that becomes your primary focus, you will live in a place or get to a place where I found myself because that should not be the primary focus of your life. Please don't kick me out yet. Let me finish and it will make sense. Will you allow me to share this journey? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. As I start to speak this, you might say, Yeah, I know this. Will you stay with me? And I guarantee God will show you some things that you go, I never quite saw it like that. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, God's talking to his people. And he says this When you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart. Another another version says, if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek after me, says God, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. The focus of this passage is on us personally seeking after God. See, you can increase knowledge by someone teaching you about God and about how to be a Christian, but you can only increase intimacy when you personally are seeking after God himself. A.W. Tozer, a great man of God from the early 1900s, made this quote. He said this, How tragic that in this evil day we have had our seeking done for us by our teachers. For God... The journey of us seeking after God to discover Him on deeper levels, getting to know Him better and loving Him with all of our heart for God is the destination. It is all about the relationship with God. It's all about us knowing Him better that starts with us seeking after. I'm not just talking about spending time with God. My whole life I have spent a lot of time with God. I've spent hours in a day with God. But I realize I've spent hours in a day with God, primarily knowing Him on the level that I've always known Him. And I'm saying that God is inexhaustible. There is always more to discover about God Himself. And when we seek after him, we will find him. He is not lost. He's saying you will discover new things about me, things that you never knew before. And that journey of seeking after, that journey of discovering, I never knew that about God. And as a result, you love him more. That is the destination with God. It's all about the relationship. But what has happened in the church today, not this, I'm saying the church worldwide, in my life and the life of many good people is we have made the destination a changed life. Which should be the evidence and the results of the destination and not the destination itself. Stay with me and I'm going to make this very, very clear to you. And this is not going to lead to license. This is going to lead to freedom and liberty in this place today. Whoa. Amen. The Bible talks very much about making disciples. Is that right? Um, and it says, A disciple, I believe, is one who obeys God's commands. Does anyone agree with that? Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus says, You know what? I've given you authority. All authority on heaven has been given to you. Now I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I commanded. And, lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. A disciple is one who obeys God's command. Does anyone agree with that so far? In fact, Jesus actually says in other passages, he says, If you hold to my teaching, if you do what they say, then you truly are my disciples. In James chapter 1, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself, thinking it's just about knowing the word. You've got to do what it says. A disciple is one who obeys God's commands. Are you with me so far? Feel free to talk to me and relax in church. Is this cool tonight? So a disciple is one who obeys God's commands. Yes? Yes? Matthew chapter 22 verse 36 to 39 that the religious leaders came to God and they echo what you and I have maybe echoed many times they came and said God there are so many things that we have got to do as a follower have you ever felt like that so many things that you're meant to do they said can you narrow it down for us and Jesus said this this is the first command love the Lord your God With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he said this. This is the first. Everybody say first. And this is the greatest. Everyone say greatest. This is the first and this is the greatest command. And the second, everyone say second, is like it, but it is not the first. The second is like it, but it is not the greatest. And that is to love your neighbor, as you love yourself. See, what we've done in our lives today is we've taken on this mantra that is about love God and love people, and we put them on equal pegging. But the reality is this. The greatest evidence to God that you are a disciple is the fulfillment of the greatest commandment that you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The greatest evidence to people that we are disciple, hear me here tonight, the greatest evidence to people that you're a disciple is by your love for people because they cannot see your love for God. They can only see what you do. In fact, Jesus addressed this in John 13 35 when he says this, this is how people will know you're my disciples, by your love for what? One another. He was saying, you know what, this is how people will judge, and this is the reality. Listen to me right now in this place. We have made the evidence to people, our love for people, the fulfillment of the second command. We have made that the pursuit of our life and not the fulfillment of the first command to love God with everything. Our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But here's the deal. You can fulfill the second command and never fulfill the first. Many people all around the world love people amazingly well. Many long Christians love people better than a lot of Christians the first. But you cannot truly fulfill the first love of God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and it not flow out, and you love people. So for me, a disciple is one who obeys God's commands. And the greatest, the unequal command, not the first among many equals, but the unequal, the greatest command is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. But you cannot love what you do not know. See, I can say I love Mother Teresa when she was alive, but the reality is I never met her. I love what I heard about her, but I didn't know her. You've got to start by, you can only love what you know. But here's the next thing. The more you know, the more your love can grow. I think the day of salvation is like the wedding day. This is going to become really clear in a moment. I'll be married coming up almost 18 years now. And like those that have been married and those that are married right now, when you come to your wedding day, you honestly think, I love this person so much, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. It can't get better than this. But I want to tell you with all my honesty and my being, and you could ask my wife and she'd testify it's true, we love each other so much more now than we did 18 years ago when we got married. See, we entered that relationship We embarked on that wedding day on an endless journey of spending time together, getting to know each other better. And as we discover things about each other that we didn't know before, our love for one another growed deeper and deeper. We didn't go into marriage with the thought, my focus is I want to change. My focus is I want to not do the things that annoy her. I want to start doing the things that she likes. That was not my focus. My focus is I want to get to know and love this lady more. But in our spiritual life, this is how it works. Before people are saved, we start in the right place, Pastor. Before people are saved, and it doesn't matter what they're doing in their life, maybe they're ones that, uh, maybe they drink excessively. Your focus is not there. If they would only but stop drinking excessively, then everything would be right. It's not your focus, is it, Mick? Your focus is they don't know God. They need to know God. Is this right? They don't know God. They need to know God. But then what happens is as soon as they come to a place and they come to the day of salvation, they make a commitment to God. Our whole focus shifts. Now that you know God, it's all about becoming more like human loving people. And we're trying to become like a God we know very little about. The God that I've started to know more and more in in these recent years, I've found that He is inexhaustible. You've heard me say that this weekend. I believe with all my heart that I can learn something new about God every minute of every hour of every day of every month of every year to the uh, the day I die and have only scraped the surface of who my great God is. I believe with all my heart that forever and ever and ever every created being, including the angels and you and I will be discovering things about God Almighty that we never, ever knew before. I think that's why we can stand around the throne for millions and millions of years saying, holy, 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 worthy is the Lamb. And people said, after a while, surely that's got to get a bit boring. But when you're discovering something new about God every moment of every day, because you can never, ever, ever ever, ever, ever know all there is to know about God. Then God says, on this side of the grave, how about you come and you focus on discovering new things about, I never knew that about God, because the more you see Him as He actually is, you will love Him more, and that is the greatest evidence that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. (sighs) I might need another water soon. This has radically changed my life, because I realized I had very subtly made the greatest focus of my life to be changed and become like Jesus, which is evidenced by what? I'm more patient, I'm more loving. A more kind, which is all based in my relationships with people, which is all the fulfillment of the second command. And every time I missed that just a little bit, condemnation and guilt came. And I realized that I just suddenly made the secondary, which is the second. It's not the 536 millionth, is it? It's the second. It is essential, but it is the second, and it is not the first. And I realize that the greatest command is to love God, and the more you know Him, the more you can your love will grow, and it starts with seeking after Him. If you seek me," says God, you will find me on deeper levels if you seek me with all your heart. The burden of perfectionism, the burden of, "Oh no I stuffed up again," will be lifted off you when you make your primary pursuit in life. See that the lord is good thank you brother you're a lifesaver are you doing okay here today is what i'm saying making sense so far because i'm about to push it deeper some of you that have been in church for a while and they know the importance of a changed life right now you might be doing this inner little panic saying, goodness me, don't give everyone license not to focus on changing your life. Just just relax. Just relax. You're going to see how what I'm going to say is going to achieve that result far better than our current focus in our lives. No matter how good you are, you and I, when we suddenly make our focus about a changed life and becoming more like Jesus as the primary pursuit, you and I will often have a feeling that we're not doing good enough because we have got the secondary into primary place and the primary into secondary place. I'm here to put the primary back into primary place because I'm living under the smile of God right now. And I still make mistakes, but it doesn't debilitate me anymore because I've actually got to discover that God's really, really nice and He's okay with me on the journey which I discovered when I stopped focusing on changing as my primary pursuit, and I focused on getting to know Him better and loving Him more, I'm free. Let me make this really clear. Is that okay? The focus of Jeremiah 29:13 is that we are personally seeking after God so that we can discover Him more and love Him more. Have you got that so far? Here's the promise. You will find Him. See, when God says, something will happen. There is no alternatives. There's no ifs or buts because God is not a man that he should lie. So if he says to you, buddy, if you seek after me, I promise you, you will find me on deeper levels. If you want to know me more, I promise I'll reveal myself to you more. That's a pretty good deal. But here's the deal. We primarily find God where? In his word. The primary place that God says you can discover what I'm like is in my Word. I'm about to make a few statements, and I need you to hear this very, very clearly. We should primarily find God in His Word, but there is a problem. We do not normally look for Him in His Word because we normally read the Word to apply the Word. We normally read the Word saying, what is required of me so I can become more like Jesus? We primarily read the Word for fulfillment of the second command and not the first command. You think about it in your own quiet times. The reality is as a preacher, I realize that most of my preaching is based around, hey, what is required of us? Let's go and do this so we can honor God. And there's essential, we need this in the body of Christ. The Bible is full of, uh, in the epistles, uh, the, Paul, Peter, these guys wrote many things that we need to do and not do. So that is essential part of Christendom, but it should always be the secondary and not the primary. The primary purpose of the Word of God is not to teach you how to live. The primary purpose of the Word of God is not to be your blueprint for living. That is the secondary purpose. The primary purpose of God's precious Word is to reveal what God is like so that you can get to know Him better and love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to fulfill the the first and the greatest commandment. But herein lies our problem. We don't look for Him because we're so intent on what does this require of me. Can you see how much of... We're constantly putting the burden upon ourselves. As God started to reveal this to me on this journey, when I was stripped down to the, 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 the bottom, Mick, I was out walking on the bike track by my house, house there in Melbourne, and this is exactly what happened. I want you to get this because this, God made this really clear to me. I was out walking and God was saying to me, you know what, you don't discover me in my word because you don't look for me, because you read the word focused on what is required of me, and he started to speak to me. He says, do you remember when Peter asked me, how many times do I have to forgive? I said, yes, God. He said, and he he quoted it to me. He said, you know what? Peter said, do I have to forgive seven times? I mean, that's pretty good. And Jesus said, no, not 70, seven times but 70 times 7. And in that instant, the Holy Spirit said to me, that was first and foremost given as a reflection of my heart for humanity. I'm not a God that will just forgive seven times. I'm not a God that has grace that will run out. My grace is sufficient. My grace will keep on giving. My forgiveness will be there, not just seven times, but 70 times 7. You think that you've marked up and I'm about to write you off, but my forgiveness keeps on coming, keeps on coming. You can't exhaust my my forgiveness says, God, and then He stopped me in my tracks and says, But you've never seen me in that passage because you've never looked for me. And I went, You're right. I've only ever read that saying, God, you need to help me to become more forgiving so I can fulfill the second command. I preached and saying, Let's be ones that forgive this week, fulfillment of the second command. I read in my devotion as I read something like that. And I say, God, would you help me to forgive? And is that an accurate use? Absolutely. But it is secondary. What would happen if we read every story in the Bible and our first question that we asked was this, God, what does this reveal about you? What happens if all these stories that we automatically try to apply, try to apply, try to do? I've got to do better. I've got to do better. We read them and say, God, would you show me what you're like in this Word? Would you show me what you're like in this the purpose of this book is to reveal what the author is like. A.W. Tozer again made this comment. He said, The modern scientist has lost God amid the wonders of his world. Isn't that true? I, I love watching the wildlife documentaries, anyone else. I love it. I just see God all over it. Don't you? And the, the David Attenborough stuff is just like second to none. It's just like, wow, wow, wow. But here's a man, David Attenborough, who is a staunch atheist. There is no God. The modern Listen to the quote in full. The modern scientist has lost God amid the wonders of his world. We Christians are in real danger of losing God. Amid the wonders of his word. Because we're not looking for him. What's required of me? I realized, Marty, that almost every one of my prayer walks was focused on asking God to forgive me for something. God, to change me. God, to make me more like him. Where was it, God? Would you just reveal yourself to me? Every time I read the word, it was God. Would you speak to me with the focus of, so that I can become more like you and I can put it into practice. Again, am I saying this is not essential? It is essential. You're not getting that from me, are you? You're not getting the wrong thing. But it is secondary, not primary. Let me ask you something. You doing okay? What would happen for one month because how many people know that we're meant to read and meditate on the Word every day? Does anyone know that? It's not just what I'm saying. It's the truth is in the Word from the second service this morning. But let me ask you a question. What would happen, this is for all of us, what would happen for the next month if every day when you open your Word, as I said a moment ago, you prayed one prayer. God, all I want to do is to discover something about you that I never knew before. Would you reveal yourself? Then you open the word, you read the word, looking for what does that say about my God? Does that sound a bit nicer than walking away every day feeling like you're not doing good enough and you just got to change and do more? The focus. Of Jeremiah 29 is this, that when you personally seek after God, you're discovering Him on deeper levels. The promise is you will find Him, but you've got to look for Him in the Word. You know what the result is? This is for the people that were panicking before. You know what the result is? You know what the overflow of that is? You will actually become more like what you're discovering. But that should be the result, not the primary focus. Let me make this abundantly clear. I want you to look at me as I, as I quote the Scripture because this gets me a little bit excited. Not much gets me excited, but this gets me excited. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Would you watch this with me? We talked about revelation, that disclosure of God, the disclosure of truth, when God pulls it back and we see something clearly. Just before I say that, have I made it abundantly clear I'm not just talking about spending time with God because I've done that my whole life. I'm talking about the primary focus is I want to fulfill the first commandment to love God with everything. And the only way I can do that is to discover more of who He is and fall in love with Him more and more and more. And it's based in seeking that What you will find. I can tell you right now, discovering really good things about God and falling in love with Him more and more sounds a lot nicer to me than spending the rest of my life striving and feeling guilty because I'm not doing good enough. Doesn't it sound a bit nicer to you? And here's the result, and the evidence of this is in my life in the last three years, where I've shifted the focus. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Would you watch this with me? Watch this, watch this. This is awesome. <laughs> Did I say it was awesome? Watch this. And we, all all of us, with our face having been unveiled. What's that. That's the revelation. With us, watch this. Ooh, this is good. And we all, with our face having been unveiled, having beheld the beauty of the Lord... As in a mirror. How many people think that's pretty clear? We're starting, when we get this revelation, I never knew that about you. And we behold the glory of the Lord. As in a mirror, we will be changed into that image that even from glory to glory, and it will be a work of the Lord's Spirit. As we walk through life saying, God, I want to discover you, and God reveals something of himself, and you are walking through life not thinking, I've got to change, I've got to do that better, I've got to do that more, I've got to stop doing that, but you are saying, God, I want to discover you, and God brings revelation from his word, and you're walking through life looking at that. That the Bible says you will be changed into the image that you're looking at from glory to glory, but it will become a work of God's Spirit and not a work of us trying harder, trying harder, trying harder, trying harder. You see, it's been to be a work of the spirit transformation, and we've made it a work of us trying and trying and trying. You will become like what you behold. And if you are primarily beholding, I've got to change. I've got to do this more. I've got to do that more. Can I say that you are beholding yourself? So you're becoming more like yourself. You want true lasting change? And we, with our face having been (gasps) unveiled, behold the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. We are changed into the image that we're looking at from glory to glory, even By the Lord's Spirit. That sounds nicer to me. See, this is how it works. In the past, we read the story in Peter, and we read it about forgiveness, and we say, God, would you help me to forgive more? God, I, I really struggle with this, and I, I pray that you'll really help me to do it because I know it honors you, and I know you'll only forgive me if I forgive others. And God, I, I really find this difficult, but this week, would you please help me to forgive, because I need to forgive. Can you see where I'm going? But what happens if you read that same passage in the morning and saying, God, would you reveal yourself? And you read about the inexhaustible forgiveness and grace and love and mercy of a God who says, I am not slow in keeping my promises as some count slowness, but I am slow because it's my will that none should perish. And when you confess your sins, I will forgive you time and time again, because it's all about the relationship. And I love you so much, son. I will keep on forgiving. And I walk through life and I'm just so grateful for the endless forgiveness of God. That next time when someone hurts me, because I'm looking at the forgiveness of God, the Holy Spirit just gently nudges me and say, "Hey son, is, is that how I would respond?" I say, "No, that's not the picture I'm looking at. God, would you help me to forgive? I release it, and the Holy Spirit helps you to forgive." He says, "Let's keep on walking on my son." And it becomes a work of the Holy Spirit. It's subtle, it's profound. The primary needs to become the primary. It will lift the burden off you. The secondary is the secondary. Don't fear that you won't change if you're not focused on, I've got to change. Because if you're looking at the right thing, you actually become like it. Don't fear the lack of change. I think the greatest change in our life, the greatest change in your small groups, the greatest change in this church, the greatest change in the city is when people get a revelation of what God is actually like. People want to come towards Him. The greatest thing you can do in a small group is say, let's just talk about God. But what we do is we talk about ourselves all the time. What would happen if we say, let me show you what I discovered about God. I've never seen it before. And we talk about it and people go, I've never seen that either. And they leave thinking about God. Not themselves. I'm thinking about God a heck of a lot more than I ever did before. And as I said this morning, the greatest discovery I've had in the last two years is God is nice. I knew that. I discovered just how nice he is. He's okay with Steve McCracken on his journey. He says the steps of a good man are ordered by God, and God delights in him, Steve McCracken, even though he fall. God delights in him even though he fall. He won't be totally cast down because God won't even let him hit the ground. He says, I'm going to uphold you. Come on, let's keep on walking, son. God is nice. God is nice. You are doing okay? Let me give you one last scripture and we'll tie this together. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? Let me share one more scripture which I might get slightly, mildly excited about. I'm going home to Melbourne for a rest, I can tell you that right now. (laughs) I love God. (laughs) He likes me too. Anyway, stop distracting me. I'm trying to preach. In Ephesians chapter 3, I said this morning, or one of the meetings sometime this weekend. In the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, which he says in Ephesians one one that this is to the faithful in Christ. To Ephesians 1.15, he says, you know, I've heard about your faith in God, your love for the saints, and I just keep on thanking God for you. These are good, godly people, like you and I, on a journey, make mistakes, but we love God. This is who it's written to. Is that Okay. And Ephesians 1.17, Paul makes this incredible prayer. and says, so here's my prayer for you. It wasn't that you become more like Jesus. It wasn't that you change your life. It's not that you stop doing this. It's not that you start doing this. It's not that you serve more. It's not that you grow this more. He says this, here's my prayer for you. I, I, I've heard that your faith is good. I've heard that your love is good. So I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that you might know him better. I know you know him, but I want you to know him better. I want you to know him better. Now watch this verse in Ephesians three seventeen to 20. It's one that you might have heard of many, many times, but God really spoke to me from it. And this is what it says. And I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Anyone heard of this verse? Let me clarify what it, when I read that, God stopped me on the student. He stopped me right there. He says, stop. That word love is not just about an emotion or a feeling of love. He said that word love is interchanged with God. Because 1 John 4 verse 8 says God is love. He says you are rooted and established, not in emotion or a feeling, but in God himself. Do we agree with that? He said, And this word rooted means like the day of salvation is you're planted, you're, you've made that decision, I'm going to follow God. And you having made that decision and been established, starting to grow up in Christ. So this is people that are made a decision and starting to know God more. Is, are you with me? Watch what it says. Here's my precious boy. I pray that you be uh, rooted and established in love and God Himself. You may grow, You may have power together with all the saints. Oh, what? To, To do what? To grow the church? No, you may have power together with all the saints to start to grasp. Watch this, how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God. But I already know what the love of God is. You have no idea how wide and deep in love and how high the love of God is. You have no idea what God's love is really like. And he says, I know that you've been planted. I know that you've been established, but there is so much more to discover just about the love of God, let alone anything else, then I pray that you will start to grasp how wide and how deep and how high and how long the love of God is and to know this love, this God that surpasses your knowledge. There are things that you never even considered about God and I want to show them to you, says God. I want to reveal what I'm like and your taste and see that the Lord is good. And then it says this, so that you might be filled to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Here's our problem. Our focus is growing to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. That's our primary focus. That is the result so that The result is you might be filled to the measure of the fullness of what you're getting revelation of. My focus was growing to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. It is no longer the primary focus of my life, but it is the fruit and the evidence of my life. I am far more like Jesus now than I used to be because I've actually discovered things about him and I'm walking through life looking at him and receiving what he's giving me and I'm actually becoming like what I'm beholding. You want to be set free? Change your primary focus in life. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the more you know, the more your love can grow. But here's the focus. You seek Him. Oh, I'm looking for Him in the Word. You will find Him. And you'll be changed into what you're looking at. Can anyone say amen? I told you this is the most important thing I could ever share because it'll lift the burden off you more than anything else because most of what I share what we share which is essential in the body of Christ is how we can love people and grow and do all that which is essential but I want to say personally you've got to say God I want to love you more so I need to know you more would you reveal yourself if I seek you God I'll find you you promised me that And here's the final thing, the condition. The focus is on us personally seeking after God. The promise is you will find Him, but you've got to look for Him in the Word, right? The result is you'll become more like what you're looking at. You'll become like what you behold. The condition is this. Here's the condition. If you seek me with all your heart. Where else do you see the phrase with all your heart? In the very thing that is the primary purpose. Love the Lord your God. How? How? with all your heart. Starts by what? Seeking him with all your heart. I believe what he's saying is this. If this becomes the consuming drive and passion of your life, God, I want to seek you and discover you on deeper levels. God says, I promise I'll reveal myself to those that seek after me. Not just what I want to give them, not just what I want to do in them, but if they seek me in my face, I promise you, I will come to you and I will reveal myself. And the result of that is you'll become more like what you're beholding. It's time to take the pressure off your life. It's time to lift the burden off your life. Jerry, if you join me, buddy, I want to say to you in this place here right now that God Almighty wants to come and reveal himself to you. Is that okay? Does that sound nice? Does that sound good? When you read the Bible tomorrow, will you look for him? Will you look for him? Will you say, God, would you show me something about yourself? Would you look for Him in the Word? And as you go through life, would you start to gaze upon, meditate upon, think upon what God is like and allow the transformation and the change that you desire and He desires become a work of the Spirit. You know what God said to me a couple of years ago on this journey? He says, Steve, you've taken on the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. My Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead me into all truth. But He will bring the change. It will become a work of the Spirit, the transformation. But I took upon myself to change myself. And that became the primary pursuit of my life. And I realized the Holy Spirit is saying, how about you let me do it? Because I want to tell you right now, when the Holy Spirit does it, as a result of you looking at the right thing, God Himself, the change will be lasting. The change will be lasting. Am I perfect? no. Do I make mistakes? Yes. But I want to remind you what I said some other time this weekend. What Paul said, not that I've already attained, not that I'll be made perfect, but I am pressing on till I hold of all that God has done for me. Would you stand with me in this place? Did you receive the word here today? Oh, let's just take a moment. How many people here want to honor God? How many people have felt God bring some clarity to them today? We've never been on the journey too long that we can't be learning. I I need to remind you what I started with. I've been walking with God for 35, 36 years with an intimate relationship. I could hear him clearly. I was preaching the word, I was traveling, and I still found myself in this place where I was living under condemnation and guilt because my focus was just, the first had become the second and the second had become the first. God wants to come and love on you. I just want you to reach out to God, we're about to close, but I just feel I just wanna pray. I'm just going to follow the prompting. Can we just have someone move these two things, please? There's nothing special about a place. But there's something significant when we step out. In the same way when God says, you know, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. There's something about I'm going to step out of where I am and take a symbolic step forward. And I want to say across this auditorium right now, if you want to give the rest of your life to actually seeking after God himself discovering more about who He is and loving Him with all your heart and allowing Him to do the work of the Spirit and bring the change, then I want you to come right up to the front, wherever you are, and fill this place. We're just stepping in and saying, God, I want to do it your way. I want to become more like you, but I want it to be a work of the Spirit. God, and just come and and just lift up your eyes, lift up your head to, to God, lift up your hands. God, across this room right now, see your children responding to you. Lord, we echo the the words there in Jeremiah. God, you said if we seek you, Lord, we will find you. Lord, you promised, oh God, you revealed yourself to us. And so we say we're hungry in this place. We're hungry to see you as you are. Oh God, we have tasted and seen that you are good. Lord, we know about your love. But Lord, we understand, Lord, that it is so much wider and deeper and greater. There's facets of you, oh God, that we have never, ever considered. There's things about you that have never entered our imagination. And God, we yearn for you. We yearn for you, oh God. We want to see you more. We purpose to talk about you more with our friends. We turn purpose to to share, hey, look what I've discovered about God. God, we want to be ones that testify of the goodness of God. We want to look for you in your Word, oh God, and we pray that you'll reveal yourself. Lord, I'm asking for revelation, truth to every person. Oh, tomorrow morning, may their God encounter go to a whole new level as they focus on You and not on themselves. Lord, would their God encounter go to a whole new level as they focus on discovering You and not just trying to change. Right now across this room, across this room, can I just have a little bit more of this in the fallback, please? Oh God, right now across this room, I just pray right now that the burdens will be lifted off. Oh, the burdens of not being good enough. I break that off in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the burden of being perfect, the burden of never making a mistake, the burden of feeling like you need to be doing better. That I've got to be doing better. 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 I break it off in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I'm asking for divine revelation every moment of every day. May we see you as you are. God, we lay down every thought of you, oh God, that is not in keeping with who you actually are. Would you redefine yourself in our mind and in our hearts, of oh God, as you actually are. Because we acknowledge in this place the reality is so many of us have a history, oh God. And our perception of you is so often based on what other people have said and what other people have done and that church that hurt us and that leader that let us down. And our perception is often tainted. We declare in this place. We lay it down. We lay it down. And we ask, oh God, that you would help us to see you as you really are. Oh, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see you as you are high and lifted up, glorious in love and in majesty. Oh, wonderful Counselor, mighty God, the Prince of Peace. You You are wonderful. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. You are wonderful, God. Almighty God, we want to see you. We want to know you. We want to see you. We want to know you. Oh, God, we love you. We love you. We love you. Oh, we tell you we love you. We tell you we love you. Come on, just tell him you love them. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Jesus, 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 Spirit of God, come in this place. Come in this place. Come in this place. Come in this place. Lord, and we are mindful, of God, that we will not pick this up again in a week or in two weeks or in a month. God, would you help us to never get this primary and secondary mixed up again? God, would you give every person a real revelation that they will serve you best when they know you as the server, that they will give best when they discover you deeper as the giver. Do you see how it works, church? That they will forgive more when they have a revelation of what God the forgiver looks like. They will be more creative when they understand what God the creator is like. Everything you yearn for, everything you chase, everything you're trying to do, I want to tell you that it finds its origin in who God Himself is. Quit trying to do and start discovering who He is. Holy Spirit of the living God. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for initiating truth with us. Thank you for initiating love with us. Thank you for initiating grace with us. Thank you for initiating forgiveness and kindness. Thank you for initiating gentleness and grace. Thank you for initiating patience, oh God, with us. Thank you for initiating. Thank you for revealing yourself to us to the point that we could actually receive you. But God, we're not content to stay where we're at. We wanna go deeper, 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 deeper, Lord, deeper, 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 Lord. Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. God is good God is here Hallelujah Hallelujah Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website davidmccracken.org